You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. new episode of Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III. I'm Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana as Louis Fertel. <laughs> People come for my accents all the time, but no one ever comes for these intros you do, Louis. Oh, yeah. Well, all I am is a bag of references, arguably with nothing connecting them. So you better love it. <laughs> and this is our first episode of Aida's Hiatus. So we have brought back Fan favorite. Oh. Not Miss Congeniality, but fan favorite. That's right. <laughs> oh, yes. It's important. Yes. Uh, Ray Sani, welcome back. Hi. Thank you very much for having me back. I'm thrilled. I'm so glad I'm on the East Coast because y'all are up early. <laughs> so this is great. Yeah, what is wrong with us? Also, you've guest hosted enough times now that you're, if this was The Tonight Show in the 80s, you're officially like Joan Rivers. So I can start my own podcast and Ira will ban me from this That's forever. the one. Yeah, right. <laughs> Read the fine print on that Fox contract. John okay. is not going to be happy. Okay, okay. She will never be on Keep It Again. I would just hope that my friend would want to see me grow. <laughs> <laughs> you'd think, you'd think. Yeah. No, I want to go full Johnny Carson. <laughs> just halfway what is that like <laughs> uh how have you been i've been good you know i'm here in new york i'm so alive in a way that i haven't been for years you know most of us are vaccinated over here so it's safe to go outside and i try to do that and it's nice you know and uh I'm doing stand-up and doing my podcast and feeling a different energy. You know what I'm saying? L.A. killed me inside. I'm alive inside now. It's mm. nice. Is it a particular joy to do stand-up right now? You have no idea. Like, you have no idea. I think, you know, especially with the, like, pandemic, I wasn't living. And, yeah, stand-up makes me feel like I'm living again. Even if I'm not really, you know? It's just nice to hear laughter not through like a screen. There's like an electricity being around people that I really missed and I didn't know I missed. Yeah, I feel like I'm buzzing. Like the British would say, I'm proper buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> I had to try my own accent. I've been watching Love Island, so. That was my yeah. guess, yes. Are you running mad? <laughs> no, it wasn't bad, eh? Now, and as a professional accenteer, Okay. Um, you know, now that Netflix has paid me to um, do accents <laughs> professionally on Q-Force, I will never let anyone slander my accent work again. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> Congratulations, by the way. Bob Hoskins here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that you said buzzin' because, Lewis, you don't watch Love Island, but you know many of our friends who do. And I, there's always, I feel like every season, a new British phrase that I pick up uh, and this season, they've been saying, um, he's been running mad. 
all season. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I just feel like Love Island is among the most dangerous vices one can pick up. There's truly never enough of it. Like, Big Brother is dangerous enough alone given yeah. how many episodes there are. But Love Island is like... Literally start picking off friends you you don't want to see because you will be replacing it with this television show. There's actually too much Love Island. I like the American version. They give you it like three nights a week. And if you are on Paramount Plus, you can watch more if you want. But like the British one, it's like, man, you're not allowed to have a life if you want to know what's going on. There's too much. Too much. I agree with you, Lewis. There's way too much. And it's weird because you're watching it here. Yeah. But I have to imagine the energy of if you're in the UK. Right. You're just, what do you leave work? You go get, you go get a pint at the pub, but then you got to get home to watch Love Island. Yeah. And, and the thing that trips me out most about Love Island is that I'm super aware suddenly that for as small as a country as the UK is, they have so many accents. And it's frustrating because. It's like they obviously only live 10 minutes away from each other, but they sound wildly different. And it's making me crazy because I can't tell if this is a poor person's accent, this is a thug accent, you know what I mean? Like, and I want to understand, I need to know the like dynamics. You know, if you hear somebody from New York, like, you know what you're getting. And I feel like I'm missing out on so much. There's so much underneath that I don't have access to. I'm very frustrated. No, basically every street is a different accent. <laughs> right. It, it makes no sense. It it's in no, no order. Sense. Yeah. It makes mm-hmm. no sense. Like, I'm like, aren't you both from London? Like, this is nuts. You know? I don't know. Especially the opening when they ask each other where they're from and they're naming like all these di- and like, oh, you're near me. And like, I, I don't know where that is. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I only and, go and, to London. <laughs> and it's crazy because it's like It'll be like one neighborhood over and their whole aesthetic is completely different. Like, it'll be like you live five minutes away, but you look like you were in the Jersey Shore 10 years ago. You know what I mean? And then here's somebody who's posh. I just want to know. They should have explainers underneath. Maybe like pop-up Love Island. So it's like, okay, she's from the hood in London, but it's the white people hood. And then here's the black people hood. And she says mug me off instead of pied me or something like that because you know what I mean there's a game show over there called only connect where um, it's based it, I've talked about it on the show before but you just have to figure out what four random clues have in common and routinely they'll go to British specific geography for some of these clues and let me mm-hmm. tell you I never as somebody who like compulsively picks up trivia I still am at square one like I don't know what the fuck Knightsbridge is and I don't know what you do there and, like, <laughs> sounds I, like something in Game of Thrones Knightsbridge like somebody right. John Snow killed off of that bridge. I don't know. Like they all give each other a knowing look when Leeds comes up. I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad that you're here, Ray, because that means we're going to talk about some more reality. Yes. Uh, much to Lewis's chagrin. Uh, but no, I I was telling Ray before the podcast started. It's as if Ira picked these topics so that I would not have to speak this episode. Which... <laughs> If it seems like a hologram is just sitting here, you might be onto something. (laughs) But I think we are long overdue for a Bravo update. Yes. Because it is in the news. The feds are watching, and we're watching. Um, (laughs) So we're going to check in on all the crimes of the Bravo world. And also, we're going to talk about another criminal that I love, um, Aubrey Drake Graham. He dropped his album, (laughs) Mm. Certified Lover Boy. 
this week. Kanye and Drake in two weeks. Lewis, this is really albums out of your wheelhouse. I know. Next week, I don't know who I need to come in next week. Carly Simon, now's your time. <laughs> Carly, drop an album. We need a rebound. Drop an album, yeah. Carly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at any rate, uh, we will be right back with some more. Keep it. California. Voting is underway for the September 14th recall election and polls are close. The only way to block that psychotic person, Larry Elder from taking over California is to vote no on question one, should Governor Newsom be recalled? That's all you got to do. If you're a registered voter, you should have received your ballot in the mail. You can mail it back or drop it off at a drop box before 8 p.m. on Election Day, September 14th. So make your plan to do it ASAP and tell your friends to do the same fucking thing. You can also vote in person early or on Election Day and you can also register the same day you want to vote in certain locations. Just visit votesaveamerica.com slash California to learn more about that. Also, fun legal disclosure. What we just said was not authorized by a candidate or a committee controlled by a candidate. Because I delete all of Governor Newsom's emails, mostly. Uh, except the ones that tell me to vote no on the recall. So go ahead and do that, because I said so. And because you love California and don't want the Republicans to take it over. Bravo fucking bravo. (laughs) It's a mess. (laughs) Bravo is very interesting to me right now because I feel like it's almost mirroring um, the evolution of reality TV where I feel like when reality TV first started, it was looked on as like this dirty thing to watch. Like you would be embarrassed to tell people that you were watching certain reality TV shows, especially when it was like Joe Millionaire was on. Right. No, you should have been watching legitimate shows like Jag or Martial Law or Nash Bridges, things that brought a family together. Uh, when I tell you I've actually seen every episode of Jag because my grandmother watched it. There are 10,000. It came on after Buffy. That's really a shame. <laughs> So sit there and watch it. Maybe like the first like eight seasons or something. But like Tuesday nights, I would watch Jag with my grandmother. There were forty five seasons of Jag. You seen all of them? You seen all of them? Maybe not all of them. Okay, I didn't do a deep deep dive, but I've also seen most episodes of Nash Bridges too. No, I mean you said this, and then I didn't flinch or move. Uh, In fact, I just started feeling somehow less than I already did. Um, But. Now it's commonplace to mention reality TV in regular conversation with people. Like intellectuals will be like, mm-hmm. I watch reality TV too because there's so many different kinds. There's competition right. shows, um, there's cooking shows that people watch, and now there is Bravo, which I feel like has morphed into being something that is just generally a part of the lexicon now. Maybe it's because so many Bravo people keep getting arrested sure. and now they are mainstream news <laughs> like friends who do not watch real housewives of salt lake city which premieres on sunday know who jen shaw is because mm-hmm. she was arrested by the feds also give some credit to um andy cohen who really is renee russo and nightcrawler i mean somehow <laughs> there's, there's always blood on somebody's hands and he's like roll the tape yeah <laughs> 
Um, but to catch up with all these things, since Ray is here, uh, to catch mm-hmm. you up, Lewis. Yeah, um, start at square one, sweetie. I'm still back in the Kelly Benson days. So, oh, okay. oh, wow. Well. There's been a lot of crimes <laughs> since then. Let me tell you. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of Kelly Ben Simone, uh, there is the Real Housewives of New York, which um, just concluded its uh, 13th season, and um, they added their first black cast member, Ebony K. Williams, to the series, and um, created a lot of heat online, because fans were divided over whether or not they liked her, and then other fans are accusing people of being racist for not liking her. Ray, what are the thoughts? It's very frustrating having watched this past season of Roni because there's room for knowing that Ebony is whack and acknowledging it. But if you say it, then you're feeding racists. And that's the frustration of being like a black person as a viewer and also probably for her as a black person who has to integrate a cast of silly white women. (laughs) If you're black at all, you hang out with silly white woman, women, it's going to look crazy. But then when you're the nerd trying to make these silly white women woke, you're annoying and people are going to be racist toward you. Like, there's no winning there. I didn't enjoy Ebony at all. I found her to be um, inauthentic. Mm-hmm. She read to me as somebody who was woke for retweets is what I would call it. You know, like... Uh, says the right things in platitudes, in like, you know, short, digestible quotes. And there isn't much exploration of what she's trying to convey. I don't know that she was honest about her true politics, but I think she knew that being on the right side of history about certain things would get her talked about. Or she... Well, actually, she miscalculated because people weren't receptive to her. But I think she came onto the show with an agenda, either to flex and, like, shake shit up in a way that was supposed to draw attention and make her a hero, or, you know, to, as you've mentioned in your online writings, audition for The View. You know Mm. what I'm saying? Right. I called her out as auditioning for The View on the show, and here she is currently auditioning for The View um, testing for it, but as one of the conservative hosts. So the thing about Ebony is she used to work at Fox News. Yes. And so when you then appear on Roni and you are, you know, taking Ramona Singer to task and talking about white fragility in conversations, which I hang out with some dumb, silly white people, you know, <laughs> and I've never had to say, your white fragility is showing in a conversation <laughs> because that is a nonsense phrase to say. Um, so her shifting to that on the show is very weird. By the way, you're telling me The View is still going on? I, that hasn't been <laughs> con- like condemned by the sheriff yet? Every time that comes up in the news, I'm like, I need to pay attention to this somehow less. The View is only ever on because of Meghan McCain um, and those clips. And I think that The View, to quote Love Island, is probably running mad, um, (laughs) looking for somebody who is going to fill that spot. Because as much as people would always be like, get this bitch off my TV, the clips would always go viral because of like a Meghan McCain or something, right? Right, right. right. It's low-key kind of whack that... 
you have a show with Whoopi Goldberg on it, but for most people, it's only relevant because of John McCain's daughter. That's terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? She has an Oscar. You know what I'm saying? That's awful. But yeah, that's another thing that frustrated me so much about Ebony. That was when I started to sense her inauthenticity, right? Because to be conservative in America and the way it's practiced in America, conservatism is necessarily anti-black, right? So for this woman to be what I'm guessing now is a conservative woman based on the evidence that we have for her auditioning for the conservative spot on The View. You know, when white people try to destroy a black person talking about race, they go into your history and they found all these clips of Ebony on Fox, you know, sort of saying Trump isn't racist or, you know, defending positions that are in Congress with this woke sensibility that she had. She, she was just disappointing, and it was very frustrating. She admitted on camera that her mother voted for Trump in 2016, but then here she was, and, and she admitted that she also didn't vote for Hillary Clinton in 2016. She didn't vote. I think she wrote somebody in. But for then to her to come on in four years and try to get at the, yes, very racist Ramona just didn't work for me. But yeah, for someone who came on to to represent the black voice, you know, her first scene on the show, she was wearing a T-shirt that I think said, I'm rooting for everybody black or something like that. And it was just kind of like, your brand is blackness at this point. And for me, I'm uncomfortable with anybody who wears not just their race, but my race too, right? As a brand, as opposed to engaging honestly with what, for them as an individual, their race meant on the show. I tried to get it for white listeners, the idea that inviting people to like a dinner in Harlem and having the dinner be about learning about Harlem and black historical figures is like, not anything I would do to my friends in general, and two, not what people are watching Real Housewives for. Right. This woman sounds like she was kind of put into the show algorithmically, and on no level is she delivering something you actually really want to talk about. Or, you know, she could have delivered something that we wanted to talk about, right? But she had talking points instead of an, an honest conversation with these people. It w Sometimes it didn't feel organic, right? There was one moment in the early part of the season where at a table, someone implied that she was angry when she wasn't. And that was an honest mm -hmm. opportunity to address an angry black woman stereotype. Great. Fantastic. That felt like it was born of a real moment, right? A real situation. But like Ira said, you invited all these old, rich white women from the Upper East Side to Harlem and then gave them a black historical figure there. Like, she called, was it, did she call uh, Leah or Luann James Baldwin? Leah and I'm like, was what the fuck are we Baldwin. doing here? It was like, this is absurd. This is absolutely absurd. Not only are your like historical figure parallels not accurate, it's just like, what are we do? What was your intention here to give a black history lesson at dinner? Like this was absurd. It was embarrassing. It was like cringeworthy. And the problem is, if she were on a black housewives show, she wouldn't get on one because she's not interesting enough or fun enough to be on like a Potomac or Atlanta. 
Like, they wouldn't hang out with her. Yeah, if she were in Atlanta, Kenya would call her a dork right away. She'd be like, <laughs> you're a dork. Get out of here. Like, what are you doing? She would be Drew Sedora on Atlanta. But I kind of can picture James Baldwin saying out of the side of his mouth, money can't buy you class. I can <laughs> So let's rethink her. I think actually she contributes something valuable. <laughs> uh the other franchise of the moment that is currently airing is Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And, Lewis, I'm sure you are familiar with the Tom Girardi, Erica Jane drama, if only surface-wise. Yes. Well, I mean, this past weekend I spent uh, with a bunch of friends from San Francisco, and they're all obsessive watchers of uh, most of these. But, like, what happens is when the show comes up, like, someone will just go, Erica Jane. <laughs> That's it. Like you're just supposed. To, like we're all on the on the level about her. And that's what kind of frustrates me about this show is like everybody, quote unquote, wants to talk about it. But unless you're someone like you know Ray, who's fabulous and different and uh, provocative and intelligent, everybody thinks the same thing about all of the characters. And then there's nothing actually discussed. They're just like, wow, that leg flew across the table. It's like, right, that was of course meant to be crazy. <laughs> so I get frustrated with the stagnancy of the conversation about housewives. Mm. I get that. I would also offer that that becomes a problem for fans of the show, like Ray and I, because online discourse surrounding Real Housewives shows is very frustrating. It's super frustrating. Fans get in sort of like a hive mind about a certain person on the show um, and just barrel through. And it's very hard to have these kinds of substantive conversations about Real Housewives. Mm-hmm. But we're the weirdos, right? Because this is the show that people go to to watch people be drunk and richer. They didn't create it with nuance in mind. So we're the weirdos deviating from what I suppose is supposed to be like what's going on. My frustration is that, um, especially with like Erica Jane, Bravo seems to be pushing that she's innocent in all of this. The idea is that her husband stole all this money and she knew nothing about it. And she's trying to make the case that she is not responsible for the crimes of her husband and she doesn't have to give money back or whatever. And you'll see on like Watch What Happens Live, Andy Cohen is dismissing documentaries about Erica Jane and her husband's transgressions or he'll invite the guests to support her. And I remember even he had some like podcasters on and was shocked that one of the podcasters said that they didn't believe anything that Erica was selling. And so it starts to get to be confusing because you start to wonder about Bravo's role in all of this. Mm -hmm. If Erica Jane is responsible for some of the things that she, her husband is being accused of and things that I think she's definitely guilty of, then what is Bravo's job and how ethical or unethical is it to exploit a storyline that requires this like victimization of innocent people? And they can't upset her because at the end of the day, they need to play both sides of it yeah. in order to get her to continue to stay on the show. Yeah, to film. You know Bravo wants Erica Jane staying on this show as long as this trial is going. I mean, even, you know, with Teresa Judice on New Jersey, they literally paused filming while she served a jail sentence. (laughs) 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 I just realized what an absurd sentence that was. Yes, it's a reality show. We want to get everything. And you. this is their real lives. We should capture it. 
But at what point is it distasteful and exploitative? And to what degree is Bravo encouraging the crime? Because Bravo requires them to have a certain lifestyle and a certain amount of wealth for them to stay on the show. And it's like, if these people are trying to step it up to keep up with the Joneses and these people mm -hmm. are trying to step it up to like match the, like you can't be on Beverly Hills and live like a bum. You know what I'm saying? So right. it's like, all right. You could go to Potomac and live with Robin. Hey, hey! <laughs> Listen, I love Robin. No, Green Eyed Bandit. She's poor. Yes, she's poor. I mean, you know, you know, I'm Team Green Eyed Bandit. Yes, but, <laughs> but we—that's the thing. It's like you are a viewer of the show, and you're making fun of Robin for being broker than the rest of them, right? So it's like <laughs> it's our fault, right? So if like Robin went and committed a fraud scheme and like stole from old people like Jen Shaw because she's tired of comments like yours. <laughs> <laughs> Then we're, you know, then we're stuck, right? Because no one actually wealthy wants to be on these shows and ruin their reputation, except for Kathy Hilton, who's on the show because she's bored, I guess. Do you think there are execs at Bravo who ask questions like this? Like, at what point does this come exploitative? And then they just burst into laughter. Just, yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Kathy Hilton is on because she's bored, but I will also offer that Kathy Hilton is on doing image control after of the course. Paris Hilton documentary. documentary where it was revealed that she and her husband just threw Paris into this camp where she was abused as a teenager. Right. I'm not going to lie, though. The damage control is lit. It, it's working. <laughs> it's, it's working. working. Like, okay. Whoever are her PR people, they're geniuses. <laughs> Kathy is the best. Like, all she does is play idiot savant, and it's genius. Like, she, she's like, what's hunky-dory? I don't know why that was the funniest sentence I've ever heard, but it was. She, like, has the right amount of contempt for the people that the audience has contempt for. She embarrasses her kid sister all the time in a way that we've been longing for for seasons because Kyle Richards has been awful for, like, five seasons now. She produces, too. Like, yeah, she, she, she will, like casually bring up something in a scene to get other people arguing. Like yes. with Sutton, this woman Sutton Strack accidentally walked in on Crystal Minkoff uh, while she was naked in her room naked. on a group trip. By the way, Crystal Minkoff is the wife of Rob Minkoff, who directed The Lion King. And she won't let you forget it. She won't <laughs> let you forget it. The recent Lion King? No, the original. No, the, the cartoon version. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. The, yes, the blockbuster original, yes. So he's got money. Yeah, the first scene of the house, like her first scene ever, they walk through her home and she makes sure to show us his like award room where there are like clay sculptures of like Mufasa. <laughs> 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 but they had a fight and um you know Kathy referred to Sutton as Thomasina as in peeping Thomasina and would continue to like jokingly bring it up in other situations to fuel a fight. So I think that she knows what she's doing and watching her comic timing on the show she's very it funny. actually is so interesting wondering like where that came from because Paris has that same sense of comic timing and like mm -hmm. deadpan delivery that made her and like Nicole Richie become reality TV stars. 
back of the day. Yeah, right. Kim and Kyle are also funny. It's just that Kim was an addict, so it got uncomfortable. And then Kyle is annoying. But even with Kathy and Kyle's banter, they're both pretty hilarious. So I'm, I'm imagining that their mom was overbearing and funny like I intend to be with my children. Um, so like, I'm guessing that's where they get it from. You know, like you have to be interesting if you're middle class and all of your children marry extremely wealthy. There's something that hooks those rich men, right? And it can't be blowjobs. We all can do those. You know? <laughs> First of all, don't speak for everybody. Uh... <laughs> Ray started a reboot of How to Marry a Millionaire. <laughs> oh. <laughs> As I sit here, not married, and have... Oh, I have smashed a millionaire, but he didn't stick around, so... How yeah. to fillet a millionaire, I think, would sell in the room. <laughs> I think I'm fine with that. <laughs> I think Ava Gardner would have shown up for that. Anyway. <laughs> I don't think I've gotten there with a millionaire, to be honest. Maybe just a... A thousand air? hundred thousand air. Yeah, I don't know the biggest tax bracket of a person that I've had sex with. What about you, Lewis? Have you hit a millionaire? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, my, my answer is probably. Honey, I don't keep the, the deets anymore, so. Uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to save paper. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you're out there in San Francisco, chances are yes. They got all that tech money. No, I, mm-hmm. I have to. If you go on Grinder in San Francisco and like just like walk whatever seven hundred feet to somebody's house, you could be in some nothing apartment or the hugest house you've ever seen. They're all right next to each yes. other. Yes. Yeah. Gentrification. Those sneaky yeah. lofts. Those sneaky lofts. <laughs> uh, but that's also why you would never really have a Real Housewives of like Silicon Valley or something. Those people with that money don't want to be on TV mm-hmm. and ruin their reputation. They don't want to show you their house either. It's a great way to get robbed. It's a great <laughs> way to... Why are you showing your house on TV? Kyle that Richards was robbed. To me. Yes! Kyle Richards that was actually robbed because you could see her home on Bravo every week. <laughs> and don't, like I remember, after a while, the Kardashians started showing other people's houses on the show, like the exterior of other people's homes, so people wouldn't know where they live. So now you getting your neighbors robbed. That's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> I'm still a little bit traumatized by. Did you see that footage of? Suzanne Summers going live on like Instagram or something, and some guy. No, you have to tell me. Oh this. my god! Yeah. Well, Su- Suzanne Summers, of course, hawking something. You know, the, the queen of the cell is on camera with, I believe, her husband, and she turns to the right, and somebody is entering her home, and she, like that she doesn't know, and she goes, "You have to leave." Yeah, you're like talking him down calmly, like y- 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 you have to leave. <laughs> oh, it's like people are watching these god. fucking people. It's really shocking. <laughs> Oh my God, that's terrifying. Step by step, he entered the home. That's my also. Yeah. Also, people are still stalking Suzanne Summers. Still, I, you know right? I mean? I, <laughs> you're the thigh master once. You're the thigh master forever. I mean, I think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somebody with a thigh master in their home, watching VHS tapes, uh, <laughs> watching step by step, and going, right. I gotta get. Get Suzanne. <laughs> I gotta get Suzanne. <laughs> For it to be on tape, I mean, it was just like you know, That's an overused terrifying. word, dystopian. Like we all saw it on camera. You know what? That's why I'm glad this is a podcast. Mm-hmm. See, people don't really see our homes. You don't know where I live. They don't even know what country I'm in. No, right. Sure <laughs> <laughs> enough. All right. When we're back, I'm gonna talk about Drake, everyone's favorite lover boy. 
Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. <laughs> Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Last week, America's favorite Canadian, or mine at least, I, certainly not Lewis's favorite Canadian, yeah, right. uh, Drake released Certified Lover Boy. What do we think of this album? In my brisk listen, not that you can listen to something quickly, it ran samey for me, but also expected from him for me. I mean, I don't think. I was listening to it and I didn't have many thoughts. I don't know. It was just, it was it was Drake, right? It was Drake. It sounded like Drake. He had the features I expected him to have. Um, and I couldn't tell when a new st song started and an old song ended because the production is so samey. Like Lewis just said. Noah likes to blend those albums. Like, yeah. like he, is, he is really in the kitchen. Uh, it is yeah. like the song. Like I, stirring. Yeah. Yes. Drake didn't tell me anything I don't know. He doesn't. And I guess like maybe, you know, boring people get to be famous too, but he didn't <laughs> have anything to say. Like I just, I mean, okay. He kind of referenced having a son a couple times, but mostly it's about how niggas want to kill him because he's rich and, you know, he's richer than me. And I knew that already, you know? <laughs> a Drake album for me, and, I, you know, speaking as a, a Drake stand, I would say that I enjoy the album, but I'm not expecting to learn anything new from Drake at this point. For me, when an album drops from Drake, it's really just... It gives you vibes. Yeah, it's right. vibes. Drake's albums are vibes. They're Instagram captions. <laughs> There's always songs about how he doesn't have any friends. He literally, <laughs> th on this album, has a song called No Friends in the Industry. Right. <laughs> With like 10,000 features on the album, right? He has like so many features. Right, so you got friends. Yeah. Clearly. You have friends, and you and Future keep working together, so there's obviously some rapport there, you know? I don't know. And then it's like, Drake does this weird thing that is, like, impressive if you're a corporation, right? Like, he buys up 
the competitors. It's very Mark Zuckerberg of him, where it's like, okay, here's somebody who is about to blow and be bigger than him, and he suns them by giving them a feature. Like, he's doing it with Dirk, and he's doing it with Lil Baby, and he did it with Travis Scott or whatever. It's a good move, I guess. You make them appreciate you and thankful before they get too big and, like, want to beef with you or overtake you because you sun them. But it's like, I don't know, like I see it coming. So it's not an interesting move anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, Drake co-signed Dirk. All right. You know what I mean? So for me, it's why I've always referred to Drake as um, the male Taylor Swift. Yeah, okay. And he has a lot of Taylor Swift behaviors, particularly this co-signing thing reminds you of when um, the 1989 tour was happening and at every tour stop, Taylor was bringing out some new person. It's always like, welcome mm -hmm. to the stage. And when you think about the- Lil Uzi? <laughs> <laughs> when you think about the musicians that she would bring out, they would always be people who were sort of like newer or fresh, like Camila Cabello with Shawn Mendes, mm -hmm. you know, Troye Sivan, but no one who was really- going to eclipse her. They were If someone was more famous than her, they were more famous in the sense that they were an older Correct. Um, like celebrity a or musician. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. someone like, they were famous before I was born, so I can bring them out, yeah. you know? They'll never be newer than yeah. her. Yeah, mm -hmm. Yeah. it's not going to be a peer. She's not bringing Olivia Rodrigo to the stage, okay? Okay. <laughs> She's not bringing <laughs> Billie Eilish. Let's, let's put it that right. way. And Drake would never bring Kanye, although they're beefing, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So about the beef, what's interesting to me, and I think Damon Young was a person who was writing about this um, on Very Smart Brothers, too. Kanye is in, we didn't talk about this last week with Donda, but he's in this weird space where he seems to be mad that he's not as relevant as he feels he should be anymore. He's still but he's Kanye. he's so relevant. Right, he's Kanye he's so and he's relevant. so relevant, but he doesn't have that respect anymore because he, he wilded out. He did it to himself. You have to give grace for his mental health, but if you're choosing not to treat it or take care of it, when you bug out, like, your mental health is your responsibility, and if people are put off by your behavior when you deliberately choose not to handle it, when you have the resources to do so, like, yeah, people get to be turned off. People get All to be the resources. Off. All of them. It's not like you're working with somebody in an office, and they're making minimum wage, and they can't yeah. go see a therapist or get medication. You're Kanye fucking yeah. West. And you like people get to be mad that you supported Donald Trump and people get to be mad that you ran for president on a ridiculous. I get to be mad that you said Harriet Tubman didn't do shit. I get to be mad about that. <laughs> Everything he said for a time was so outrageous. And then you just said that. And I'm like, oh, I forgot. I feel like the, yes. thing, the thing about Kanye West is he's actually been on the same page for like five years now. Yeah. Like he hasn't moved on to a new chapter pop culturally. Yeah. And so it's like, it's not that he's irrelevant. It's that he's stagnant. My favorite word from this episode, stagnant. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's stagnant. And also it compares with Drake in this sort of stagnant era. And it's so interesting to me that I feel like part of the beef is jealousy. Yeah. Because I agree. when you look at Donda, Donda is a Drake album. Is it? It's so long. Yeah. It's vibes. It blends together. There's there's so many fucking features. Mm -hmm. Like and that was never really a Kanye album. Um except for like his earlier ones. Like the Kanye albums were usually all about this is me. Yeah. You know? Like you're getting him. Uh and I think there's still anger from 808s and heartbreaks. 
not being received well, even though I think it's one of his best fucking albums. But it wasn't received well at the time, and Drake took that. But at this point, everyone, including Drake, has acknowledged that 808s and Heartbreak has shaped the sound of hip-hop music. I mean, every rapper singing on autotune now in a way that Kanye obviously inspired. Every rapper out right now cites Kanye as a hero, as an influence. Chris Brown and Soldier Boy are losing their minds because their tracks got dropped off the album. Like, what is Kanye looking for? Like, you're not Jesus, although he loves to put like himself in Jesus or messianic imagery. So maybe he does think he's Jesus, but it's like, what more do you need? Like, if anything, like, I think my frustration with Kanye and why Drake might be more palatable to me is that Drake never purports to be greater than he is. Drake says, I'm the greatest rapper. I'm the prettiest rapper. I'm the rapper having the most sex. And I believe all these things to be relatively true, right? But like... Kanye is creating a cult and it feels deliberate. You know what I'm saying? Like Kanye is like trying. You have to buy his merchandise. You have to experience his art in its fullness the way it matters to him. Kanye wants to be in each person in the audience as opposed to like engaging in a healthy way. Like we like the music from an artist. He wants us to be like obsessed with him it's such a greedy thing yeah you have to be swept up in him it's it's yeah. never it's never just experiencing the music like he's yeah. another musician he's the yeah. musician but by the way something that bothers me about the 808s and heartbreak thing is like i would say that almost all legendary artists have the album in their like catalog that's more influential than popular and it only looks amazing in retrospect like don't you want the paul's boutique by beastie boys or the sign of the mm-hmm. times by prince or astral weeks by van morrison like right. you should have the minor note that ends up being you know more influential than the more popular stuff so it's just like the idea that it wasn't popular enough is not something to be hung up on but i think that as an artist some people can't sort of grapple with that i mean as a barb Hasn't that been most of Nikki's career, unable to grapple with the fact that she has influenced younger women to step into the rap game? Um, there's always this sort of feeling threatened when someone else pops up. Mm. Well, that's just because Nikki's an immature asshole, right? Like, that's not, you know what I mean? Like, that's just what it is. Because, like, for me, you know, Jay-Z's my favorite rapper, and his best album didn't, like, Jay-Z's never captured a number one. You know what I'm saying? Like, DMX has always stepped on his shit. You know what I'm saying? He's not freaking out about that. He knows his place. There's a confidence in there. And it's just, I know that artists are insecure. Like, I would be ridiculous to say that I don't understand that sort of insecurity. But it's like, Nicki Minaj is the greatest woman rapper of all time. Like, why isn't that enough for you? You know what I'm saying? Like, every person out here worships you. And if they don't fuck with you no more, it's because you were a dickhead to them because you were insecure. Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion. You know or what you I'm married it's a rapist. Like, you have done the damage to your reputation, freaking out and being insecure around everyone and not embracing. You, why didn't you do the Drake thing by sucking them into you and bringing them out on stage with you as opposed to arguing with bitches you on tracks with? That's <laughs> it's weird. Clearly, Nikki is insecure because she keeps returning to be featured on the greatest female rapper of all time, the true greatest female rapper of all time. And we're talking about Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> she loves her some Madonna. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, that's Nikki's obsession. She loves like an all-consuming 
unassailable, inarguably popular person. Like she like sidles up to Ariana Grande and she, you know what I mean? Like it's, she wants pop acceptance so bad, but then also wants street acceptance. And I don't know, it's weird. It's just an insecurity that's so uncomfortable to watch. And Kanye is kind of suffering through the same thing. And if Drake feels that insecurity, he doesn't really show it. All he does is rap about not having friends on tracks. And that's it. That's where you should leave it. He'll do it sometimes when like, but it'll be funny like on, Whichever album where he referenced, you know, like a drunk text J-Lo. Right. Referencing like stuff like that is funny. But for the most part, you know, he wears his insecurities as like the vibe, you know? You Uh should be insecure. You should be a little nerdy. You should be like, have too many feelings. He drowns it in his sex addiction, obviously, right? Like he, <laughs> he has too much sex for me. From watching from afar, there's a little too much sex happening over there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to add and have sex with me, I'll, I'd be happy to help. But I'm saying, I take it to be a little unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, I would also be remiss if I didn't mention that The other thing that he and Kanye have in common is um, the questionable features and credits that they let have on their album. Uh, Kanye, mm. as you know, had Marilyn Manson into Baby, and on Drake's album, R. Kelly is listed as a co-writer. No, you did not just say that to me. He is. (laughs) No. He is. Mm -hmm. So Forty, um, Drake's producer, explained that the conversation that opens the song T.S.U., had an R. Kelly song playing in the background lightly. And if they wanted to use that conversation to open the album, R. Kelly had to be credited. And it launched all these dumb conversations on the internet about whether or not R. Kelly owns his masters and whether or not the money's even going to the label or it's going to him. Or if it is money going to him, that's money that could potentially go to the victims who sued him. At the end of the day... This conversation at that damn important that you needed to put it on the album so that you then had to put an R. Kelly co-write, okay? It's like, this isn't Thriller. Man. That was another (laughs) thing. Like, I listened to TSU thinking, wow, you know, we were going to get something so impactful that, like, you could make the case for it. It was just OG Ron, right? Yeah. And he was just saying something about the girl. I don't even remember what he was saying. Like, it was not that important. It was like a chopped and screwed, like, intro. And... He's not so much of an artist that every single thing needs to be exactly where it is because it all is so meaningful as part of the masterpiece. They could have just clipped that off and we would have just been fine. So I don't understand making the case for giving R. Kelly money. You know what I mean? It was just weird. No, after Christina successfully replaced him on Do What You Want by Lady Gaga, I knew we could move (laughs) on without him. We were done. Well... Listen. We we don't we ain't got a lot to kick it, Lewis. I don't know. I don't know if Christina's <laughs> feature is better than R. Kelly's feature on "Do What You Want." Arguably, one of Gaga's best songs. But right, the song needed to go. Right, right. <laughs> That's the thing about R. Kelly, right? Like he is so much a part of, especially for black musicians, like so much a part of the culture. And like it would be a lie to erase his importance from history. You know what I'm saying? It would be a lie to deny his influence on the genre i mean that dude was on top for a good 20 years like i sometimes have a hard time like not listening to an r kelly song when it comes up on shuffle you know what i'm saying i'm like fuck but we have new information now we have to update what we're doing and it's not like he took 
a sample that we couldn't shake. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like Space Jam. If you try to watch Space Jam and ignore R. Kelly, that might be a different thing. But that wasn't what we were doing here. So I don't understand why Drake did it. R. Kelly is kind of like Michael Jackson that if you hear one of his songs, then if it puts you in an appetite for more music like that, you kind of have to only pick more of his music. Like one of these people who's his own genre. Even listening to old Aaliyah, I'm like, damn it. The conflicting never ends. Yes. I am so glad newer Aaliyah is out. The releasing the other albums that were past the R. Kelly point because every time I'd want to listen to Aaliyah here and back and forth, I'm like, well, I am hearing R. Kelly's vocals yep. constantly. Right. That always confused me. I was like, Barry Hankerson is her uncle and her uncle is comfortable with the only music of hers being out is the rapist music. Like, that's crazy. It's weird that the music got released to coincide with the R. Kelly trial. Have you been hearing the details on that stuff? It's crazy. Oh, God, not recently. The person who married them finally coming out and talking, that she was covered with a veil the whole time. That she was pregnant, which is why they got married. I'm just kind of forced to reckon with how much abuse we let slide for the sake of male genius and for us to have all the information we have now and for Drake to do this even when it didn't matter because it was a stupid voiceover that didn't count for anything I'm just tired of it truly luckily another legacy artist is coming back after 40 years still unproblematic you guys the ABBA renaissance is upon us hailing it already and you better believe they are still wearing the beige lipstick and the outfits with weird lights on them. Get ready for it. They look like Power Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> I am, I'm honestly here for it. ABBA is um, truly one of the greatest pop acts that ever exists. I think we were talking about this before. We were at some party where somebody just put on ABBA on shuffle, as in it wasn't just ABBA gold like any other music played. You can just do that and a party occurs. It's like timeless pop music. It's way more timeless than things that came out 15 years ago. Ooh, can I admit that I don't know shit about ABBA except for Mamma Mia? Which is, I mean, a, a great primer. I mean, they have no songs about selecting your dad from like a trio of gray-haired actors that we all know and love, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you an ABBA primer, uh, a little starter pack, right? Okay. All right. It's really entrancing. It's hypnotic music. What will my outfits look like once I get in a deep dive? Like, am I going to be like a flower child? Like, what's my aesthetic going to be once I get obsessed with ABBA? I think it's a Mm. jumpsuit that is either neutral toned, like you will do a beige jumpsuit, or you will do, (laughs) or maybe something in the maroon category. Oh, Mm. I like a jumpsuit now. I think Mm -hmm. I can dive head first. A lot of SZA outfits. Oh, a SZA outfit. SZA dresses like she listens to ABBA. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe your hottest take of the episode. Maybe your hottest take of the episode. I'm into it. I'm into it. Uh, All right. Well, we're back. Keep it. All right, before we do the Keep It segment, we were talking about Real Housewives and the season two taglines just dropped. Taglines, of course, are, you know, the intro credits for each um, franchise and someone always has some sort of like witty, pithy phrase that they say as their name pops up. Lewis, I feel like, even you are familiar with taglines as a person who doesn't watch Real Housewives. Of course, I have a Housewives tagline, yes. Right. Oh, you do? What is it? Opinions are like assholes. Everyone's entitled to mine. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually pretty good. (laughs) That's actually pretty good. (laughs) 
Hi, Dad. Anyway, go ahead. Not <laughs> <laughs> oh, me forgetting your dad listens to this show. <laughs> he must just mute this sometimes. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't need to hear my son talking about this. Uh, our Grinder episode. Anyway, um, Tagline started out sort of innocuous. I feel like I've been rewatching like older seasons of like Atlanta or like at New York, and it's like some of the taglines would repeat mm -hmm. from season to season just because they didn't feel the need to update them. But then as fans became obsessed with them, they became the thing that you look forward to when the new season drops. Mm -hmm. uh, and people usually use them to reference their current storyline. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Lisa Vanderpump would always use them to say, I'm the queen, darling. You know, or like mm -hmm. Lisa Renna is always like, these lips. Or Kyle Richards loves to remind you that she lives in Beverly Hills. And each tagline is always, in this town or in <laughs> Beverly Hills. And, of course, the Salt Lake City taglines open up with Jen Shaw. And, of course, she references being arrested by the feds by saying the only thing I'm guilty of is being shy amazing. <laughs> How infuriating. She's psycho. Anybody who saw season one of Real, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City knew she was nuts. But she's the least self-aware person that I've ever seen on reality TV. It's actually astonishing. Everybody complains about how Erica Jane has been behaving on social media with her whole trial and lawsuits playing out. But Jen Shaw is the most audacious, unembarrassed person I've ever seen. Like, she's hawking a shitty catchphrase in this thing where she's bragging about not being guilty. Like, what are you doing? You are not Shaw Amazing. Shaw Amazing sucks. <laughs> I mean, the pun itself is audacious. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, terrible. Un, it's so uninspiring, period. And to say it with gusto is really surprising. And she uses it all the time. She uses it in regular conversation, Lewis. Yeah. She, like, during the first season, she says things are Shaw Amazing. Okay, that's some Queen of Jordan shit. I mean, <laughs> she is the queen of Jordan. I feel like when season one started, one of the most interesting things about Salt Lake City was the fact that it seemed like every character on the franchise had watched previous Housewives shows yeah. and was trying to deliver what they thought fans would want to see in a Housewives show. It almost felt like it was a satire mm -hmm. watching it. Yeah. Because that's who she is. She walks around with a bedazzled microphone. Mm -hmm. But by the way, can I just say about these taglines though, watching this clip I just saw, if you can't deliver it like it's actually coming out of your mouth, you don't get to have a tagline. Lisa. Yeah, guys, Lisa. let's capture your inner whatever. Phyllis Diller or Wanda Sykes or something. Maybe Make it sound like you understand the humor, humor in quotes, coming out of your mouth. If you don't like me, that's okay. I like us both. I like me enough for the both of us. Like, what? Why are, we, why are you here? Like, what are you doing? The nature of the, the wit of these lines is always like, it's the way Taylor Swift writes lyrics, which is like, it sounds almost like it's clever. She's like, you think I'm up, but I'm always going to be down. Like, it's, what? It's like, the, you, you put two opposites in a sentence, and that's like irony? It's so confusing. <laughs> we can't sleep on the, gr I think it's contender for the, the greatest, greatest tagline that's ever existed on Bravo. <laughs> Mary Cosby, who runs a church, and this season, they're uh, finally- She they're does finally, not yeah. run a church. Yeah, she this runs season. a cult. <laughs> And steals their money. They're addressing the fact that she runs a cult on the show this season, finally. Uh, there's been leaked audio of her like yelling at, abusing people in her parish, etc. Anyway, her tagline 
if you come for me, I will send Jesus after you. This <laughs> the best tagline I've ever heard on Bravo. I'm sorry. Picture Jesus on the case. <laughs> <laughs> Also, it works for me doubly because it's a reference to my beloved Kenya Moore. Don't come for me unless I send for you. And so if you are going to reference the greatest housewife of all time, I don't want to hear it, audience. I don't want any feedback. <laughs> Kenya's the greatest. You know then, I love her, but yes. they will be in your mentions. I know they will be. Um, Twirl, I'm team twirl over here. Uh, but not only does she reference the greatest housewife and one of the greatest lines on the series ever, but the fact that you think you have the power of Jesus because we're we're accusing you of fraud is crazy. To me. Uh, well, Salt Lake City premieres Sunday, uh, and I can't I'm wait. I'm thrilled. They also released, they just released the two-minute intro clip, and it looks amazing. Like, I'm thrilled. I can't wait. Yeah. So, uh, we will be right back with Keep It For Real Now. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. All right, we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It's Keep It. Ray, as the guest of honor, you get to go first. Of honor. I've never been honored for anything. This is thrilling. You, you've uh, been back more than any guest. You, I think you feel like you're the guest of honor at this point. You are, uh, you are Amanda Woodward on this show. You are a special guest star, Ray Sonny. <laughs> yes. Um... My keep it is to being petty for petty's sake. That's all we're good at here. So just watch where you're stepping. Go ahead. Right. So your key, your keep it is to us. Yeah. I got it. Yes, to you. <laughs> to you in particular, Ira Madison three. Um, I'm just frustrated with this notion of being petty as if it's a good thing. And that's been prevalent on the internet for a long time. You know, people joke about how petty they are and da-da-da. But it's really, I guess, come to a head for me because yesterday, Michael K. Williams, a wonderful actor, um, passed and mm-hmm. I was, you know, devastated by that. And 50 Cent posted a picture of him. Well, when 50 Cent posts a photo, I know things aren't going to go It's trouble. Well. Yeah, it's not going to go well. <laughs> so 50 posted a picture of Michael K. Williams. Rumors are that he died by overdose like people suspect fentanyl. So 50 Cent posts a picture of Michael K. Williams and says, you know, don't you watch Power or whatever show he's on now? I don't watch. It's uh, bad writing. And um, he he goes, don't you watch so-and-so? We told you that fentanyl will get you. And then he hashtags his liquor brand he does in every other post. And then uh, when he started to get backlash for that, 
he changes the caption to say, oh, I'm not about that fake love. And I guess the suggestion being that he had beef with Michael K. Williams. So I went looking to see what the beef was about. Um, it turns out that a producer, a movie producer, record producer who had worked with Tupac and gave Michael K. Williams one of his first movie roles in a movie called Bullet is Jimmy Henchman, and Jimmy Henchman had Queen's drug dealer beef with 50 Cent and put out a hit on 50's friend, and he's in jail for that murder. And at some point, Michael K. Williams had tried to get um, Jimmy Henchman released. I guess there wasn't a lot of evidence. Anyway, all that's to say, 50 is happy Michael K. Williams OD'd, I guess, whatever, but there's no need to get on the internet and do such a thing. And... 50's been doing that for years. He did stuff to Naturi Naughton. He's been going after Tierra Marie for years. And in the comments, there were people who were admonishing him for it. But there were just as many people being like, I get it. 50's pity. What did you expect from him? And we should never be in a place where we're saying, I get it. 50's petty. What did you expect from him about shit like that? And I realized that it's because we've been working toward that place for years. When someone's petty online, we laugh, we kiki, it makes all the blogs and stuff. And I'm just kind of embarrassed for us as a people. If we're at a place where we're making fun of a fentanyl, a possible fentanyl overdose because they had beef about something else before. I don't, I don't like where we're going. I mean, every girl who tweets about how she stole her man's money and put milk in his shoes or something is not the same as what 50 did. But I think, you know, all those smaller petty tweets that go viral sort of add up to a culture where 50 feels comfortable doing stuff like that. Although he's a terrible person, he probably would do it anyway. But I just feel like we're all too accepting of what's, ultimately antisocial behavior it's not funny yeah toxicity yeah no i mean like saying what did you expect as if to say you have to let it go because yeah. this has happened before is like beyond a terrible excuse it's not yeah. an excuse it's saying there's no argument against him he just we just have to let him be that's disgusting yeah and i just think that you know on social media like everybody is so detached and removed because you know we're putting words into a a place into an ether and nothing's tangible but like we shouldn't just accept that our words mean nothing our words should mean something and it isn't funny to be proud of yeah toxicity and antisocial behavior and i wish we would slow down a little so keep it to being toxic keep it to being petty i mean i feel like when i first started on twitter i mean the the most commonplace thing that people love to mm -hmm. do was you know like the quote tweet of someone mm -hmm. so like you know like to drag them in a way. Yeah. That, but it's like, there's a difference in doing that when it's like a dumb politician that you're trying to dunk on, which is mostly useless too. But mm -hmm. when people do it to like, a random person's tweet and like you don't even know them you just want to be rude to them yeah that's always wild to me and that it works right like i'm not gonna like act like i never was petty or that i didn't find joy in dunking on people or getting retweets or whatever it's only recently that i've come to jesus about this and been like look man like this isn't good for me or anybody else but like i'm so sad about the fact that we're here where yeah, it's funny to do awful things like that. I don't know. Also, that's my new Housewives tagline. Come to Jesus or he's going to come for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Uh, Mary might kill you for that. Right. <laughs> I would love to punch up some taglines. That'd be my dream job. Anyway. Wouldn't that be so fun? That would be amazing. We need to, I don't know. I don't think Andy Cohen likes me because of my tweets, but we should try. We should try and like get that job. Like we yeah. should, because I don't, I don't think. Somebody's got women, to. Yeah, because we, I don't think these women are clever enough to come up with that stuff on their own. And even if they're getting help, they need some more help. Some of them. So, yeah, Lewis, we should figure out how to pitch All for right. uh, stuff like that. Flood the DMs. I will try to backdoor us into that. I've been on Watch What Happens on twice. I think Andy maybe likes me. I don't know. <laughs> but I- <laughs> Maybe. If you think maybe, he don't. Andy's pretty clear about liking people. He does. But anyway, Lewis, <laughs> this is the keep it segment. So what's your keep it? My keep it uh, is unfortunate because I feel like I do a lot of work defending this show and its continued existence, but keep it to the last seven or eight things Carrie Bradshaw is wearing on this Sex and the City reboot. Oh my God. First of all, (laughs) guys, we got to put a tarp up around this show so that you can film this without people looking because it is really destroying my day when I run into one of these outfits. First of all, every new outfit contorts what we thought the original show was like people now think it was mainly a show about watching people in crazy outfits. And I'm not saying that Carrie didn't wear, uh, shall we say whimsical clothing from time to time, Tutus. but <laughs> to, yeah, et cetera. But it was always like her bad fashion moments were always pretty surprising because she dressed in a believable, slightly outsized way. Now with the outfits we're seeing, which are not, um, chosen by Pat Field, the original designer. Because she is on Emily in Paris. Correct. <laughs> she was like, I would rather stay with Darren Star. Yeah, right. <laughs> First of all, whatever outfits they're choosing, it's constantly Easter on this show. That's what's happening. <laughs> Everything is flowy in exactly that way. <laughs> but second of all... Like... <laughs> <laughs> and just like that, we hunted for eggs. <laughs> <laughs> and just like that, Jesus is risen um, but like carrie looks there's no other way to put it a fool in some of these outfits mm. i i know that her style would evolve you know 15 years after the original show there's obviously she wouldn't dress the same way but when i look at this it feels like they're not decisions she would make i can't picture carrie bradshaw who is an extremely well-defined character mm-hmm. choosing like a flowy dress that basically goes into the street as she does her errands. Like, it's so extreme. It's so costume designed and not, it it doesn't feel hewn to the character that Mm. I'm just discouraged right now. And obviously this will go away when we watch the show, for me, this will go away when I watch the show and I'm reacquainted with why we actually watch the show, which is Sarah Jessica Parker, to me, is one of the most charismatic actors of all time. If you have not seen the movie, um, girls just want to have fun recently, which in the 80s was this teen dance movie she starred in. She was already Carrie Bradshaw from the jump. She had the skills from one, the time she was a teenager. So the heft of the show weighs on her. I don't know how she her. does it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why she did it. I don't know why she did it. I have a question for you, Lewis, though. Okay. Uh, that maybe it's me playing devil's advocate, because uh, we all know the devil needs advocates, right? Yeah. Do you think that we're being trolled? You know what? Very potentially. And I would love that. I would love to be outsmarted by Carrie and the girls. That's like the dream. <laughs> right. Because I feel like I remember when I moved to New York, uh, it was during when Gossip Girl first launched and it was the height of Gossip Girl. And I remember they used to film scenes outside and 
we work in TV. If you don't want yeah. people to see what is being shot, you can hide it. Yeah. Right. But a show like this like is like Gossip Girl in that it thrives on the paparazzi and people taking photos and talking about it online. And I would buy that they are shooting particular things outside um, that may never even make yeah. the show. I mean, because you remember the movie, didn't they have scenes of like um, – Kristen Davis even like filming like in a dress outside so that we didn't know who was getting married in the first movie. Right. right, right. And these are things that do need to be concealed. And again, I welcome the trolling in that case. I want these people to be diabolical and they should be diabolical. In fact, it's really surprising that the last chapter of Sex in the City we have is Sex in the City 2, which is now like 11 years ago, because right. it really feels like the conversation has not slowed about this show at all. That racist movie. <laughs> yeah, with with Jennifer Hudson being the finest mammy you've ever seen. The thing is that, like, I'm wondering too if we're not being trolled. But now that you raise that, that's an interesting possibility. Isn't this kind of one of the pitfalls of rebooting something? Where if you reboot something so close to when it first existed or if you're rebooting something when it's still so relevant in its original form that it's so hyper aware of the conversation around it that it starts to overperform to like recapture that hype like I wonder if it's like they're so invested in the conversation still about the fashion and what other people took away from the show rather than what they meant to convey with the show that they're gonna lean too much into what they remember the response was as opposed to making the art that they had once created. Like, I worry about that, not just for, like, Sex in the City. I'm not a big fan of that show to begin with, but, like, that's, like, You can like just my say Gossip Girl, Ray. You can just yeah, say Gossip Girl. Gossip, I, I mean, I wasn't, you know, I mean, I didn't, I, they got some people of color on Gossip Girl now. I didn't want to mess it up, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to hate. They do, but that is the same sort of thing. It is... You know, the original Gossip Girl aired on the CW, and it was four mm -hmm. teenagers, and we enjoyed watching it because it was trashy and fun. And mm -hmm. now the new Gossip Girl, you know, it's like someone thinks that they're writing The Sopranos. Yeah, they're too invested in the conversation to come. It's so, it's like uncomfortable sometimes, yeah. What if they are intentionally bad costumes, and then we go to the credits and it says the costumer is Kim Cattrall? <laughs> 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 That's the dream. That would be the greatest revenge. The greatest revenge. She's secretly on the show the whole time. Right. Uh, <laughs> Toiling in the, in, in, near the wardrobes. <laughs> well, speaking of bad fashion, my keep it this week goes to the resurgence of Dolce & Gabbana. Woof. And we, we jailed people. <laughs> Went to jail. Yes. <laughs> people died. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to go through a small list of the litany of offenses that Dolce & Gabbana committed. Sure. They had colonial-style imagery of black women on the catwalk mm -hmm. in 2012. If you know them, you get it. I mean, it's just <laughs> whatever. They, they opposed gay adoptions. The only family is the traditional one. Well, well we can all agree on that. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> they voiced support of Melania Trump. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> who has done not one thing in her life. Go ahead. Gabbana said, I don't want a Japanese designer to design for Dolce & Gabbana. Oh, I didn't even know about that one. Wow. <laughs> wow. Gabbana, um, on an Instagram post of Selena Gomez, wrote, she's so ugly. 
and you know I'm a Selenator. Wait, okay? in real life? By the way, watch. Oh, yes. In real life in 2018. <gasps> commented on one of her posts. That's so mind-blowing. It was, Wait, it, how it, old is he? How old is he? Didn't write it in English. Wrote it in Italian. But it translates to she's so ugly. And I'm like... Do not come from my bitch who needs to get an Emmy nomination for Only Murders in the Building, okay? I haven't watched it yet. I can't wait to watch it. Oh, she's doing good work. You're going to love it, Lewis. <laughs> Actually, it's it's very Manhattan murder mystery. That's what I thought, and that's what I prefer. I've heard good things. Yes. Yeah, I've heard good they things. They had a advertisement of, like, a Chinese model trying to eat Italian food using chopsticks. Oh, dear. Um, oh, making dear. fun of um, Chinese people. Basically, Dolce & Gabbana is trash. Racist, hated gay people, a lot of awful shit. And when we were talking about good PR people mm-hmm. <laughs> and the work that they were doing earlier this episode, yeah, who is doing the PR for Dolce & Gabbana? Because they recently did a show uh, in Venice mm-hmm. and the amount of money that had to have been spent on this show to fly nearly damn every celebrity in the world to Venice to be at their show, but not just be at their show, to be dressed in Dolce & Gabbana, the amount of money and drip that has been used to make people forget that they're basically trash um, is wild to me. And the fact that you have stylists and you know celebrities who I love like Megan the Stallion, Doja Cat, Sweetie being involved in this is just upsetting. Sydney Sweetie was there. Wait, Jennifer Lopez was one of them, was she not? Yes. It's kind of embarrassing too like aside from like Dolce and Gabbana being trash people pretending to like black people so that other black people aren't mad at them enough to cancel them. It's like, how (laughs) easily are our black people bought, right? Like, Diddy's daughters walked in the fashion show, right? Yeah, Sierra was there. Sierra was there. There are all these videos uh, going viral of Megan and Normani twerking. Twerking twerking for people who hate black people. Yeah, it's... In their clothes. That breaks my heart to say about my beloved Megan. But yeah, that's like embarrassing. It's like, it's like how easily. It's giving Spike Lee bamboozled. Yes, it's giving sellout. <laughs> it's giving sellout. It's giving Uncle Thomasina. <laughs> it's, it's, it's disappointing. And it's like, and it's like, Normani, you can't afford bad press. Nothing is going right for you right now. Like, what are we doing? Uh, you know who was not wearing Dolce & Gabbana? Chloe Bailey, who was dropping her <laughs> single soon. Okay. <laughs> You should be worried about Chloe Bailey. Should be worried about Chloe Bailey taking your food, Normani. You know I love a stand war. Mm -hmm. I'm a barb. I love a stand war. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I I miss the era where stand wars just meant you you would drop bees um, in people's Instagram comments when they said something rude about Beyonce. (laughs) (laughs) Now Beehive will try to murder people like they did. But oh, also. Very short keeper to that woman for Glamour Magazine who wrote that list of 10 best and 10 worst Beyonce songs oh, for yeah. her birthday. Kitty Cat, 
It was clearly designed to troll. And don't hate on EXO. Stop playing with me. I love EXO. <laughs> I love EXO. No, wait. The number one worst song was Beautiful Liar. Guys, I enjoy that song. I think it's yes. perfect. She yeah. and Shakira are so camp in that song. <laughs> right. Writhing on floors. They're like eels in this yeah. song. It's yeah. synchronized, which is very hard to do. They're Ursula's eels. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> and um, best thing I never had. Are you fucking crazy? Yeah, that was truly, truly wild. I'll also, the fans who were saying Halo didn't belong on the list are very wrong. Halo sucks. Halo sucks. So, <laughs> we, we hate and, Halo. And no. Halo sucks. And also, you can put single ladies on that list, too. One of our worst singles mm-hmm. ever. That's a little crazy. Is it that this white woman wrote a list? No, she was she black. Hit, she was black? She was oh. black. You said glamour. I assumed white woman. <laughs> My bad. Glamour lets Negroes write for them, Ray. Really? <laughs> they put a U in, in glamour, so, you know. <laughs> I figured they don't like black people, you know. The U means unaccepted here uh, for black people. <laughs> um, yeah, it was clearly designed to troll. Right. But it's just real nonsense. Real nonsense. And to do it for um, on the eve of Beyonce's 40th birthday was disrespectful. Yeah. So a Blow would have been in my top ten, by the way. Blow that yeah. iconic song, iconic yeah. song. Oh, she put my favorite Beyonce song on her list of worst, which is Sugar Mama. That's your yeah. favorite? That's my favorite. Okay. I love that song. It's funky. I'm not gonna. <laughs> oh. I'll remember that. All right. Damn, that was so good. I want to buy him a short set. Who else would open a song like that? But you also know that my, my like my favorite Destiny's Child song is Apple Pie All in Mode. So That's I love insane. I love ridiculous Prince esque songs, songs that sound like they were written for Vanity Six. Oh yeah, but somehow Beyonce got them. I kind of think Blow falls into that category. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite Destiny's Child songs are, of course, "Lose My Breath" and "Soldier," which I believe they are. They weren't an A side and a B side, but if that were, that would be the clutch A and B side of the two thousands. All right. Well, Ray, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. You got me all up to date on all this housewife stuff now. I'm now overeducated. Yeah. <laughs> That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're Ebony K. Williams now. Overeducated. Oh, my God. <laughs> the worst thing you could ever call me is a humorless lawyer. Jesus. <laughs> I was calling Lewis one. <laughs> oh. Okay. Lewis can wear it. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with that. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next Next week. <laughs> Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Caroline Reston, and our associate producer is Brian Semmel. Our executive producer is me, Ira Madison III. Our editor is Bill Lance, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroot, Narmil Konian, and Milo Kim for production support every week. And hey, stay safe out there. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware.